AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app, it's Wednesday, it's February 28th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's NFL Combine Week. We'll have some takeaways from Arizona Cardinals general manager Monty Ossenfort and head coach Jonathan Gannon meeting the media yesterday. Some more takeaways from around the combine and things that are being said yesterday and so far today from general managers and head coaches alike. We'll also dive into college hoops from yesterday and well as some games that are slated for tonight. And also, as promised from Monday, uh, going through Major League Baseball and the managers that find themselves potentially on the hot seat here to get things started for 2024. So we'll make sure that we do that today. The number, if you would like to chime in, 602-260-1060, and we'll take your phone calls today around 1130 and 12:15. But let's dive into it and get things started with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question involving the ASU and U of A game for tonight who do you have ats in tempe asu plus 12 or u of a minus 12 asu out in front at 71 percent of the vote 29 percent for the wildcats and there's been a little movement on this line in the last 24 hours uh we went with 12 yesterday afternoon it's down to pretty much 11 and a half almost everywhere i just checked at the top of the hour whether it be nevada or some of the national websites you know with the heavier action and so forth uh, it seems to be 11 and a half pretty much. There's a couple 12s out there still, but it's mainly 11 and a half at this point. And that's a question that we'll officially answer today around uh, 1230. Tossing it on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Should Caleb Williams be the first pick of the NFL draft in April? Masses are on the no side of things at 56.3%. Yes, trailing at 43.8% of the vote. Also at the top of the hour, I just heard a little synopsis on NFL Network. I'm just not sitting here, folks. I'm working hard. No, I'm, I'm actually sitting here and not working hard, but I'm doing, you know, acquiring more information at the top of the hour and just happened to luck into the NFL Network update. Caleb Williams has met the media. Uh, I think he officially met the media today. He met with a couple of people yesterday, too, individually, and he is clearly not against playing in Chicago. Even even mentioned deep dish pizza with yoo-hoo, good move there. Best pizza ever, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, you know, he even mentioned that. So uh, you know, this notion that he maybe not want to play in Chicago seems to be complete crap. 
Uh, that's another question that we will officially answer uh, around 12.30 today, so plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Let's get things started. The NFL Combine is this week. Head coaches and front offices are meeting the media here. Uh, then you have the drills officially getting started on Thursday. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs, their drills get started on Saturday. Let's have some takeaways here from general manager Monty Austinfort. Uh, Monty Austinfort here, he mentioned Kyler's return and the way the offense progressed. They feel like they're in a very good position because of Kyler's health and that he was able to use his legs, his arm, make plays, and really showcase what this offense could potentially be by being able to have that position stabilized. However, they did say that they're always looking to upgrade, but they feel good uh, with with that quarterback spot here. Uh, Jonathan Gannon also relaying that the offense and everything goes through one. He likes to use that phrase, through one. Okay, that's the same BS we heard during the season, and I wouldn't expect anything differently. And there is no more time that more BS is spewed by NFL coaches or executives than this week at the Combine. And either fortunately or unfortunately, I'm guessing that a lot of the coaches and general managers would say, unfortunately, they are required uh, to meet with the media. Whether It's not just their local media. It's you know, whoever wants to attend these things. They give you basically a, a schedule a couple of days ahead of time is who's going to talk when and whatever. Uh, but almost never does anything come out of anything that anybody's executives or coaches say yeah, I listened to about two hours of this rhetoric yesterday on NFL Network and a couple of websites and so forth. And really the only thing I got out of anything that anybody said is that Tobin and Cincinnati did not rule out the possibility of the Bengals trading T. Higgins. Uh, back to general manager Monty Austin Ford here. Uh, looking forward to adding talent and depth at any position, but certainly receiver was highlighted as something for this offseason. He did talk about how they really liked uh, Michael Wilson and how he was able to come back from that injury and showcase what he's capable of doing. Didn't like to put labels on whether or not a person is wide receiver number one or wide receiver number two. Just liked that he showed some growth there toward the latter half of the season when he returned from injury well unfortunately it wasn't the only injury he returned from and unfortunately he's been injured uh, the large chunk if not nearly his entire college and professional career one year in you know the college in the uh, the nfl ranks with the cardinals and he was injured at least two years at stanford uh i don't think anybody has ever disputed how good a player he is when he's on the field but that has seldom been the case. I mean, I don't have a statistical breakdown here of how many games he's actually played out of a possibility he could have played in his career. But I get, I'd be venture, I would venture to guess, on, I'd bet anybody's money that it has not been 50% of the time. Uh, then we also have that free agency is about, and he used the terminology evaluation and valuation. Not the, so emphasizing on the E valuation and then taking off the e and just calling it valuation and the valuation coming from kind of things getting set in a marketplace in the next couple of weeks so it'll start to set itself and then the cardinals as he said he used the terminology will be aggressive but also trying to set things up for this year and for years to come in, in what they're looking for to build this roster okay i can buy this part even though i think it's also 
uh, when you have a bad team, and let's face it, they're a bad team, and they're almost for sure going to be a bad team in 2024. You know, it's gonna they're gonna have to overspend to get quality free agents to come here. Most likely, they're gonna have to overspend unless the the free agent just loves the area, which is possible because we love the area. We like living here. I assume most people listening like to live here, uh, and it's a good. There's a lot of good reasons to live here. Uh, but it's more likely that if they get anybody of any substance via free agency that's going to make an immediate impact, they're going to have to overpay for that guy. Uh, they will mention this here about the additional cap space that was uh, added to all teams for this offseason here to work with. That means the Cardinals now have about $59.3 million in cap space for 2024. So that's a little bit of a boost from what was previously expected for them. Uh, General Manager Monty Austin Fort, to no surprise here, said that he's received no calls yet for the number four spot, but that it's a ways to go for all of that to start to take place. He added that the Cardinals will eventually make their share of calls too to see uh, what what's possible for that number four spot. I'm not sure they're going to get any calls for the number four spot, at least right now. Um, I don't know if there would be a, a big difference in that opinion unless, you know, once we actually start the draft, that one of the top three picks are supposed to be quarterbacks. If one of those guys is not picked, then I would assume the Cardinals get all kinds of calls from somebody that wants to trade up and get whichever quarterback in that top three is not picked. Uh, he also mentioned here, and I think that we've talked about this too, that, you know, a lot of the mocks have three quarterbacks going first and then the Cardinals selecting Marvin Harrison Jr. at four. But he was just asked in general about the wide receivers, and he said that this is a very strong wide receiver draft class and that he doesn't want to get into the nuances of scouting and scouting reports in terms of what he was talking about up there yesterday, but that he's excited to get to work out Marvin Harrison Jr. upcoming, but also that uh, there's plenty of wide receivers throughout this draft board yeah i don't know this i should know this i don't know if is harrison working out in indianapolis or is he just gonna wait for his pro day he's I don't not know. he's not doing um okay. he's not doing drills and i don't even i don't know if he's doing medicals or not well i think everybody kind of has to do medicals don't they um to some extent unless there's you know some kind of uh well maybe i'm wrong about this but i'm pretty sure in the past it's been yeah, pretty much everybody does the medical part of it unless you have some kind of uh, exception or extension because you were injured towards the end of last season. Even though I think at that point I'd even be more interested in checking guys out medically. Uh, then he also said, this was interesting here, he was asked about uh, just the overall depth of the draft and he said that the extra COVID year is still kind of impacting things for the, the, the depth of the draft. Also, he referenced NIL deals impacting the depth of the draft in later rounds mm -hmm. and also maybe even creeping into some undrafted free agents as well because it's more lucrative then for players, if they can, to stay in college as opposed to coming out. So it's kind of shifting things around, and that was something that I hadn't really thought about in terms of the overall depth of the draft as you get into some of those compensatory picks or later into your sixth, yep. fifth and sixth and seventh rounders. I've actually heard this with high frequency here in the last couple of weeks since I started diving back into it. I kind of took NFL. I took, I just kind of took a vacation from the NFL for about 10 days there. 
started diving into this a little more towards the middle of last week. And I've heard this several times uh, watching NFL Live, a little NFL Network, listening to a couple of podcasts on The Athletic. Uh, this seems to be not necessarily a consensus thing. How about a unanimous consensus <laughs> that these are going to play a factor? And uh, there's no question. Just look at – I'm just going to – I'm familiar with Ohio State, obviously. Yeah, when the season ended last year, it was highly anticipated and just assumed – that they were going to have at least a half dozen players leave early for the NFL. They had a couple guys leave that, quite frankly, I don't know if they really cared if they left and they weren't going to play a big role this next year anyway. Uh, they left, and I don't think they're going to be very high draft picks. But with the exception of Marvin Harrison Jr., the large majority of guys we assumed were going to leave, whether it be yeah, Henderson or Buka. Or uh, you know the cornerback you know, from from Saguaro High School here, Burke. Uh, those guys are all back, and you know the, they got NIL deals. And you know Ohio State obviously has a huge NIL budget, but you know, I think Ohio State's probably the best example of a team. Those guys were going to be all high draft picks, and they're all coming back to college for one more year. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, every year. Um, there's more depth at certain positions than others. And, and you know, we talked yeah. about it. Oh, this is a, a great wide receiver draft class this year. Other years, it's, uh, oh, this is a really great defensive end pass rusher uh, class. So every year is different. But I do think it's interesting as well throughout this, this entire conversation is that there really has to become an emphasis in the NFL on player development and being able to yeah. hit on some of these mid to late round picks as well to overall help your team. And what's coming to mind in kind of fueling this thought process is offensive line and how we went through it uh, as just to the, the success the teams were having in the postseason and what they had at the offensive line position, what they had at the left tackle position and how you can get that stabilized. But then really there is a massive drop off uh, between those you know playoff teams it really kind of fell off a cliff so if players aren't coming into NFL systems and are kind of starting to uh, stay in college that player development portion of things I'm really curious to see how some of these key positions uh, if we're going to continue to see this trend of maybe not having great offensive line play or other key positions kind of suffering if you will well, offensive line better change this year because, you know, I haven't gone through a ton of mock drafts. In fact, just a couple here and there. Uh, but I remember one about a month ago, there were 10 offensive linemen in the first 32 picks of the draft. Uh, and, uh, you know, it seems like the prevailing opinion is that this is one of the strongest offensive line drafts, not just tackles. Mainly, a lot of good tackles, though, which is very important. And I think right tackles become more important in the NFL in recent years, and just left tackle, which was kind of the tackle position by itself to fortify. I'm not saying that there's any less importance with the left tackle, but the way that teams use their defenses now and move pass rushers all over the line, it's not just from one spot they're coming from. Like the, you know, ask the 49ers in the Super Bowl how that right side of the offensive line worked out for them. Uh, it's you know pretty much the entire offensive line that needs something. So it's a good year, good year for offensive linemen, especially tackles. It's also a, just a, it seems like this is the case every year now. A monstrous group of wide receivers. I saw a list of a top 100 players, and 19 of them were wide receivers a couple of weeks ago. I don't think that's changed too much in, in two weeks' time. And the other thing you mentioned, pass rushers. 
Unfortunately, you know, the Cardinals, uh, maybe as much as any team in the NFL, just needs anybody uh, in any position, whether it be down lineman, edge rusher, or linebacker that could get to the damn quarterback. And this appears to be not a good year for pass rushers. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I'll segue into uh, general manager Monty Austin for being asked about Zayvon Collins and whether or not they were going to pick up his <laughs> – fifth-year option. Uh, he was non-committal with it, but he he did say that he felt like he made some great strides and that they got back to uh, doing things that he did well at Tulsa. Um, but they'll take pretty much all the time that they need to decide on his fifth-year option. I believe they have until May in order to make that decision. Well, I can make that decision for him. He can't play. He's not any good. Uh, they moved him all around the defense in two different systems now. It was a horrible and stupid draft pick at the time, which I said the second that it happened. And he's nothing more than a special teams player, if he's even that in the NFL. The other thing that Monty Austinfort uh, was talking about here, and I think this makes sense, is that last year, you know, he was just hired and then they had to go into the NFL combine. And he talked about how that he was still meeting coaches and he was still meeting scouts for the very first time at the NFL mm -hmm. combine. So uh, scouts, maybe not really quite understanding exactly what he's looking for when being able to ask certain questions about a player. And so now they're much more dialed into the process uh, this time around. And there's been a lot of the staff staying the same so that staff continuity and the messaging all stays the same yeah and i think that's definitely a really good point uh and you just look at the you know quentin harris who's been on this staff for many years under steve kime and drafted by steve kime out of syracuse in the early 2000s quentin harris has been uh, you know basically fired or let go or contract not renewed here in the last few days, and that's just kind of somebody who was stuck here. Uh, they had to pay him because of his contract went past you know, a couple of years. Uh, and now that's up, and he's he's out of here. Uh, but you know, they quit. You know, Harris was you know he was still here last year, but Austin Ford had actually, as he should, and you know, well maybe not should, but expect you would expect him. He went and hired a guy to replace Harris, even though Harris was still here. We'll get into some takeaways from head coach Jonathan Gannon on the other side of the break. We'll also continue forth with other takeaways just around the NFL in general. And uh, we'll save some college hoops conversation for our number two. It's all happening here in the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app on this Wednesday, February 28th. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude, Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to Extra Point right here. 
right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. Continuing some takeaways from the NFL Combine, uh, the uh, teams are meeting with players and then workouts officially get started on Thursday. As it is for the quarterbacks and the running backs and the wide receivers, they will participate on Saturday. You know, a made-for-TV event, if you will. Uh, some takeaways here from head coach. Uh, unfortunately, none of the quarterbacks are going to throw, it appears. So, other than J.J. McCarthy, who is going to throw. So oh, that, is uh, I mean, Bo Nix and Michael Penix they... not throwing anymore? I'm not positive about Penix. I didn't think I, – I thought Nix had – Nix better because his arm strength is highly questionable to start with. Yeah, um, I think – I saw for sure Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels are not participating. And, I mean, at this point, I think they would only do damage uh, with any sort of outcome that was the slightest bit off, whereas J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr. have nothing but uh, opportunity in front of them. Yeah, I I would – if I were an NFL team, I'd I'd be curious. I, I, I understand the player's viewpoint here. But I would be really impressed if an NFL, if I were an NFL team, that one of those top three guys would actually, especially Drake May, if he would actually throw, because he's going to be throwing to guys that he's not used to throwing to, and if they're good, if they look good in that sitting setting, I think that would increase their draft stock. But you know, they're going to wait till their pro days when basically it's a scripted thing by the team agent combination play whatever. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, the NFL people don't have as much, uh, you know, uh, you know, basically you know, they, they don't run the drill. Uh, but if you go, if you go to, you know, the, the combine, they run the drill. Uh, the, uh, it, you know, the, the pro days, it's basically what the quarterback wants to do and receivers he's familiar with. If, if one of those guys looks bad on the pro day, that's not good because it's a scripted thing with the guys you're used to throwing to your whole career basically in college you know i'm curious though uh how much weight is actually put on these particular throwing drills i mean i understand that uh maybe trying to get uh an opportunity to see what a guy's arm strength is with college hash marks versus nfl hash marks and maybe doing some of those particular routes but obviously you have tape uh and in these particular drills there's no pads there's no pass rush there's a lot of things that are obviously set up that you're just working on mechanics and you're uh do you have sort of accuracy but also it's not game speed yeah, I think it depends on the quarterback. I, I'm going back to Bo Nix again. I mean, you know, Oregon, he had two different coordinators there, including Dillingham that, you know, two years ago. They were really smart. I mean, you know, they, he, he basically was a short passer. Uh, he, he, did, he actually did throw the ball down the field some this much more this past year than he did two years ago in his first year at Oregon when Dillingham was there. Uh, but, you know, clearly uh, I think he needs to prove that he can make NFL throws because, uh, you know, while I was a big fan of his in college, I don't think I ever at any point said, my God, there's their first-round draft pick. And, you know, I'm guessing there's some mock drafts and he's not even in the first round. Uh, some takeaways here from head coach Jonathan Gannon meeting the media. Um, you know, to no surprise here, 
He says, we'll try to add as many good players as we can, but they want guys that are team-first guys that want to improve and win. And this kind of also goes in line with something that Monty Austinfort had said about team-first. And he said uh, that that they owe it to the locker room to bring in guys that are going to have that same mentality in order to 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 move the the needle forward for the collective as as a team and as a unit so those are the types of players that they're going to be uh, trying to identify for the roster nothing against jonathan gannon here but he's um, near the top of the bs meter of all coaches that i've heard in any sport in the last decade um, almost never during the entire Cardinals season, which obviously was not a good season, uh, did he, you know, to his credit, I only remember the Rams game here when he really kind of questioned the effort of his players and so and with justification. Uh, but you know, almost never does he say anything that is not out of just you know, coach speak 101. Um, the other thing, he also touched on continuity being a very big thing and that he gets it that, you know, coaches are going to have other opportunities. They're going to go somewhere. But at least with uh, this being such a young coaching unit, that uh, it's it's really nice that they're all coming back to continue to build upon what they what they have done. Uh, now, I can't remember if it was Gannon or if it was Austin Ford who said this here, but he also said that not only is it important for players to use the offseason to improve, but coaches need to do the same thing that there needs to be improvement year over year you would hope i mean i would think that anybody in any job is trying to improve from day to day and year to year uh then of course when all these different mock drafts uh it, it does have marvin harrison jr in many instances going to the cardinals at number four so no surprise jonathan was asked about what stands out about marvin harrison jr and he said playmaker anytime he touches it he can score points so that's the name of the game score one more point than the other team he says i need to watch more from him but he's a playmaker he is. Um, he's a physical specimen, and obviously, you know, with you know, he, he knows about his dad, and his dad, I'm sure, has coached him some. Even though his dad wasn't around that much uh, at Ohio State the last, certainly last year, I only remember one game that they even showed him in the stands, and that was at Rutgers. And I'm pretty sure his dad lives in Jersey, and that's in Rutgers is in New Jersey. I don't remember him in any games in Columbus this past year, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on with that. I will also say, though, and I don't have, once again, I apologize, but I did watch every snap of every Ohio State game for like 100 years. Um, I thought that Harrison, I don't think there's any question that he dropped more passes this past year than he did two years ago when he seemingly never dropped anything. Uh, versatility, that also seemed to be a big important word here for head coach Jonathan Gannon. Versatility for their players, and that's certainly what they're going to look for with their defensive linemen. Uh, that the, Obviously, you need to be skilled with the run game and the pass game as a defender, but also uh, being willing and still capable of lining up on both sides of the line. If you're experiencing, you know, from a game plan st- standpoint, a mismatch and wanting to take advantage of something can't be a player that says, oh, I don't like lining up on the left side i only like lining up on the right side etc so versatility is something that they're going to be looking for i'm not disputing this in fact i over the two hours or so i listened to i probably heard the versatility word from 10 different guys yesterday uh no matter which side of the ball was or what they're talking about but uh, 
That I understand. For the Cardinals, I think the versatility thing is unfortunately a little more mandatory because, let's face it, uh, it's not like they have you know, anybody on defense, especially in the front seven, that is going to re- that's returning next year in the front seven, and you just you're going to throw him in there, and you know he's going to be a every down really good player for the Cardinals. They have nobody in the front seven that really is somebody you can count on next year. Some of the injured guys, maybe, but can you count on them coming back healthy or you know close to what they were prior to the injuries? Uh, so, but you know, they they need they need playmakers at every position on defense except for the two safety spots. And finally, here uh, he was asked about Marquise Brown, and uh, he said there's obviously an economic piece to that. Yeah, this is the biggest question for me as far as the Cardinals offseason goes. Yeah, you know, because you know I've, I've gone through we've gone through a few things here in the last few minutes, and uh, we're going to be doing this for a while because it's just the way that this works, which is fine. Uh, but I have no idea what the market is for him, and I'm guessing it's not that high if I had to guess. Because of what we talked about with all these wide receivers in this draft, uh, why would you pay Hollywood Brown or another wide receiver unless he's just completely, totally elite? Why would you pay them or trade for them when you can get a really good receiver for the cheap uh, You know, in this draft? I think you bring up an excellent point there about what is the market for Hollywood Brown. And then also, what does Hollywood want? You know, does he want a fresh start to be able to try to land that one big contract? So a prove it year. Does he want his prove it year with the Cardinals or does he want his prove it year somewhere else? Unfortunately for him, I think a prove it year had to be last year. And he had multiple injuries, different injuries. There were more than one thing that went wrong with him injury wise. And that's also hard for his prove-it year. You mentioned the injuries there, but also hard with the uh, quarterbacking situation for the Cardinals. It wasn't until later in the season that Kyler came back, but even later in the season, he wasn't getting those targets from Kyler. Well, and Kyler wasn't very good every game. I mean, uh, in my opinion, at least, I guess maybe I'm the only person in Maricopa County that believes this, but if I am, then I'm the only one that watched these games. He was not consistently good from week to week. And even close to it. I, consistency certainly was was a factor. I mean, I, I, I think you had uh, his explosive playmaking ability, what we could see him do dynamically with his legs in that Falcons game in the, the first game of the season. Then you saw what he was able to do uh, in that Pittsburgh game. But then, you know, what comes to mind is just opportunity after opportunity against the Texans and not able to capitalize in the, that situation. And he absolutely sucked in a couple of games, especially the Rams game. He was absolutely awful in that game. Uh, yeah, I just, I understand they cannot say bad about Kyler Murray, even if they wanted to, because they still got to try to trade. They're not saying bad about him because I'm sure what they would really love to do is trade him and get his contract the hell out of here. But the way he played last year, there's not an NFL team ever that's going to take Kyler Murray based on what they saw in the short season last year. It is, it's not possible. 
More from around the NFL, what we learned from coaches and GMs meeting the media yesterday and today at the NFL Combine. We'll dive into that next. And if you'd like to chime in, feel free to do so. 602-260-1060 is the number. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. James Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Points. 11.42 on this Wednesday, February 28th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Morsellaro here with you. Up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Some takeaways from yesterday from the NFL Combine with head coaches and general managers. Uh, general manager Ryan Poles with the Bears. He met the media, talked about the quarterback plan. Says there's no firm plan in place. Well, of course he's going to say that, because why are you going to give away the strategy now? Uh, but he did say that uh, he wants to do right by Justin Fields and will be transparent with him, and that he added if Fields is traded, likely it would happen before free agency. Just as a reminder here about free agency, it starts March 13th, but that legal tampering period can start on March 11th. Well, and also you're, this is from a guy who you know, used the combine last year to set up the trade uh, to trade the number one pick last year to Carolina, and then they, they, they we now know, I think we knew pretty shortly after, but we now know for sure that that whole thing was originally discussed during the combine a year ago. I also added that he quote has no concerns. Caleb Williams won't want to play in Chicago because that was um, wow. Well, yeah, and yeah. then today Caleb Williams basically said that. So he basically he did everything but say that his dad was kind of full of crap of what he said in the you know, few months ago. Well, yeah, that basically was- that, that's pretty much what he said. That was a uh, that was certainly a wild time when uh, the, well Williams doesn't have a traditional agent he's he's really relying heavily on his father Carl and business advisors but yeah. that was when it was floated out there uh, as well that Caleb wanted equity in a team that was going to draft him. Well, and he wasn't going to come to the Cardinals at one point too. That was another thing that yep. was out there back when the Cardinals were believed to be the overwhelming uh, favorite to be the number one pick in the draft this upcoming year. Also, Williams did say today that uh, he has representation, I believe was the term that he used. Okay. Uh, He's also reportedly made, uh, good for him here, $10 million in marketing and NIL deals. So he's uh, starting his NFL career off uh, with a nice little bank account for himself. A lot of of Frosties from Wendy's, (laughs) which I could always use one of those. Those things are tremendous. Frosties are good. Uh, the doc, He was in the Dr. Pepper commercials uh, as that's well. That's true. That's true. Yes, that's a good uh, – yeah, yeah, that no doubt. I'd, I'd offer the Frosty. I don't like Dr. Pepper, so sorry, folks. But, yeah, Frosties, I could do that, like, all the time. I actually like their burgers at Wendy's, too. So oh. if anybody wants to take me to lunch, we, we could go to Wendy's. I could do that. And their fries are okay. <laughs> so other than that, yeah, I like that place. Do, do, do you, also, have you tried their salads? First, First, hell no. Uh, First one was ever in Columbus, Ohio, by the way, too. So there you go. There we go. Uh, General manager. Can't can't go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) 
general manager. Um, well, you know what? Actually, you know, I, I will just briefly mention this. I really wanted a peppermint frosty, and uh, I was, and it's only available around Christmas time. And we went. And it was actually kind of disappointing. It was lacking a lot of peppermint flavor. So I think you have well, to stick with the chocolate of. Frosties if if you're... I like the vanilla, oh, too. Oh, okay. So. All right. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the yeah, swirl? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Raiders yeah. general manager Tom Telesco. <laughs> got, a, got a Frosty meter here. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- 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 I, have no, I have no idea what you're going to say here. But of the guys I listened to yesterday, nobody was for more of the general managers. Nobody was more full of BS than Tom Telesco was. <laughs> so here we go. Well, let's see uh, how full of it he was here with this. He said running back Josh Jacobs will not be franchise tagged uh, and that it's yeah. going to be a running back by committee type situation for them. But if that's in fact true, uh, that would also fall in line with it doesn't look like Saquon Barkley will be franchise tagged either. So some of the, the running backs that we went through and some of their situations last year maybe not going to go through the same situation this year yeah and you know certainly in the Raiders case it's not like this is breaking news I mean they've been reporting this in Las Vegas I get the Las Vegas Review Journal sports uh, on section on, online every day uh, I swear I've been reading this since like seemingly like last summer <laughs> I'm just I'm exaggerating but for weeks uh, I don't think anybody has ever at any point expected Jacobs to get franchise tagged, including, I assume, Jacobs and his representation. Now, I don't know if this is uh, being made into more than it should be or if it also makes sense based upon the play that we saw last season. But Seahawks general manager John Snyder was asked if Geno Smith is the starting quarterback, and his response was, yes, he's the starter until he's not. Also, people seem to be making something of Smith's contract being restructured to create $4.8 million in cap space. Well, they also had to, didn't they have, there was a deadline, wasn't there a couple Fridays ago that they had to, you know, pick up his contract or they were going to lose him. So, you know, so they didn't have any choice, did they? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I know that they're trying to make connections to J.J. McCarthy because of uh, McDonald's connections to Michigan. And they're also trying to make connections to Michael Penix Jr. because of <laughs> offensive coordinator Grubb coming over from the Huskies. Well, the Seahawks didn't lose enough games to be drafting J.J. McCarthy, who might go as high as number eight, apparently. Uh, and then I think that the, the combine this week uh, on the field performance, uh, at least from what I've heard in the last couple of days here, seems to be more important for McCarthy or it could be more important from McCarthy than anybody else. And I, you know, somebody who's followed McCarthy, unfortunately, from you know, the Ohio State perspective uh, for several, you know, three years now, basically, as soon as he committed to go to Michigan uh, instead of Ohio State, but, you know, Ohio State kind of looked elsewhere anyway and kind of screwed that up, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. But he, he he's going to. If you talk to this guy, if you listen to this guy, if you watch this guy, I can't imagine there's anything other than the fact that he went to the University of Michigan that you would dislike about this guy. I mean, he's got everything going for him. He's going to wow everybody he talks to at the Combine. And if he throws well, which I anticipate he will, he's going to, I think, to me, he should be the third quarterback of this draft. I would take him out of Drake May every single day of the week. 
Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta said that the team plans to franchise tag Justin Matabuke if they fail to get a long-term deal done with him uh, before next week's deadline. That seems like a no-brainer there based upon Matabuke's season last year. Correct. More non-news. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's new. You know, the only news was if uh, you know they gave him a, like a contract extension yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> that that would have been news. I'm I'm going to mess up his name here. Vikings general manager uh, Quissy Adolfo Mensa said that trading wide receiver Justin Jefferson is quote not something that's once crossed his mind. Uh, also, there's that. In addition to that, Vikings have uh, named Josh McCown quarterback coach. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Well, that's that's good. And I always use my Josh McCown story. I walked out uh, when the day Dennis Green got hired here. Uh, Josh McCown uh, was the uh, incumbent starting quarterback at that point. And I walked out of uh, the uh, the Dennis Green press conference uh, to the Cardinals parking lot. And in those days, uh, the media and the players basically fought for parking spots at the Cardinals facility because they didn't give much you know priority to their players. Uh, so there's that. So we walked out together, and I just remember uh, you know asking, "Well, what do you think?" <laughs> and he just kind of didn't give me a complete affirmative answer to Dennis Green. Uh, so that, uh, but I'm not surprised McCown's a coach. I mean, I've mentioned this, this has been going on. He, he coached in high school, right? For a while. Yeah. Uh, and, and then got in the NFL last, last year with, with the, the Panthers. Panthers maybe? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not surprised in the least that he's a coach. You know, we listened to several of his press conferences, obviously when he was a quarterback here and you know, not, not, he's got a family with some coaches in it. I know, so this is this is not surprising. But I did not know he's going to Minnesota. So that that's that that's not bad. Then go you know, go with a go to a place that has an established quarterback and one of the best wide receivers in football. Good idea, especially from especially from Carolina. Yeah, uh, well, that's if they bring Kirk Cousins back. Otherwise, it could be uh, who knows what their quarterback situation is. Speaking of who knows what JJ the... McCarthy. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, but 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 I would be. I think everybody would be stunned if Kirk Cousins isn't back for another year. The other quarterback news from today looks like uh, Jets are giving quarterback Zach Wilson an opportunity to seek a trade. Oh, damn. Really? Okay, where's he get? Now, the, the question is, does anybody want him? Is he is he a backup quarterback in this league? At best. I mean, he's he definitely a not a starter. Is, he's absolutely not a starter. A, I think he's more of a third quarterback than he is a starter. So I don't. Even, I think he might be a third quarterback more than a backup. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean I, who's going to give up I, capital I, for that? Nobody. Uh, I, I can't imagine, you know, good for him, I, whatever. I mean, he needs to get the hell out of New York, whether he's good or not. I never understood why he was the second pick. Was he the second pick of the draft? Whatever the hell pick it was in the draft. Uh, he, he played a bunch of garbage opponents at BYU, and when they played somebody good, he wasn't any good. Kind of like Drake May. Well, not to the extent. You know, he was worse than Drake May. He was worse at BYU than Drake May was against quality opponents in North Carolina. Listen to rewards for you with the KQS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app.
previous week and breaking down the golf course. Welcome back. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060, wrapping up hour number one on this Wednesday, February 28th. So the PGA Tour is at the Cognizant Classic. This is formerly known as the Honda Classic. It's still being contested at the same golf course, PGA National, par 71 this year, 7,147 yards. The big difference this year in it being a par 71 is uh, the 10th hole. Last year was a par four at 508 yards. This year it's going to be a par five at 530 yards. So I do think that that could have an impact uh, positively for scores for the guys this year. Uh, as that particular hole played over par. In addition, this golf course uh, is known for playing very challenging and playing over par last year as well. We know about the bear trap with plenty of water on this golf course and the bear trap with the three holes, the 15th, 16th, and 17th there. The par threes play really tough, and it happens to be the first course of 2024 on Bermuda Greens. Rory McIlroy's in the field this week at plus 700. Cam Young 22 to 1. Eric Cole, who was in a playoff last year at 28 to 1. Russell Henley at 28 to 1. Uh, there seems to be a lot of people uh, riding the Eric Cole wave. I don't know if we go there this this week. We are going to go Sepp Straka for a top 20 at plus 200. Defending champion Chris Kirk, top 20 at plus 210. Maybe look at uh, Russell Henley, 28 to 1. Alex Noren, 60 to 1. And Carson Young, 110 to 1. Top 40 for him at plus 150. Other metrics to pay attention to. Strokes gained putting. Strokes around the green. And your approach plays. Once again, we need those buckets 175 to 200 yards 220 200 to 225 yards and 225 plus yards for this big golf course hour number two is coming up next